0: Block talk radio welcome to my good nanny radio MGN radio the best show on Block talk radio for family information and entertainment thanks for tuning in hi and welcome to mgm radio i am your host miss Tossy, and i'm super excited about today's show today's thursday and it's july 8th i think um, And we're so, so excited um, because today's going to be an amazing show. My mom is actually a guest on our show. I mean, I'm so excited. And I said July 8th. Oh, my God, today is July 6th. Why am I rushing time? <laughs> I, I tell you, time is already flying fast enough. The kids are out of school, grandma's visiting, and we are super excited. So as you know, we're going to pay some bills. I'm going to come back. We're going to talk about um, the book and a lot of fun stuff on today's episode of MGM Radio. And I want to thank everybody that tunes in week after week to listen to the show So we'll be back in less than one minute. Thank you so much, and stay tuned. Thank you so much.
1: Hair Yum is the fastest-growing vegan hair care product on the market. Hair Yum can transform your hair with one wash. Cleanse with no harsh chemicals, sulfates, or detergents. The Hair Yum collection is available now at HairYum.com. Take the challenge. Go vegan. Get Hair Yum at HairYum.com. That's H-A-I-R-Y-U-M.com. Your hair will thank you for it.
0: As a parent, you chose homeschooling to provide a better education for your children. Why not add a love of music to their academics? At HomeMusicTools.com, we are parents, homeschoolers, and musicians, and we have the tools to help you provide a fun music education for your children. We carry guitars, drums, bass guitars, along with orchestra and band instruments, and we carry a wide range of music education books and instructional CDs and DVDs. Music has no age at HomeMusicTools.com. Thank you again for um, joining us. And for those of you who might not have heard of Block Talk Radio and MGN Radio, we are the number one show on Block Talk Radio for family information and entertainment. And shout-out to everybody who was at the Dare to Aspire in Houston. Okay, if you have not seen the pictures, go to Dare to Aspire on Instagram. I mean, I'm speechless. The speakers, the testimonies, the vendors – The food, I mean, it was really a great conference. And we are just so humbled that the city of Houston opened us with with open arms. The media, just our PR team, it was a sold-out event. And we want to say thank you again to everybody who participated in Dare to Aspire Houston. All right, so let's do our fabulous MGN introduction. We want to welcome Dr. Robina Egamonyeh to our podcast, and we're going to discuss her latest book, The First Wife, First Wife, The memoir of a Nigerian Knight. And, um, you know, the book is written in three parts, and The First Wife begins where life started for Dr. Egamanye, being raised by her grandparents, Papa and Jack in Anderson, South Carolina, and we're going to get into, like, the background behind the book, but also wanted just to let you know in terms of the bio, you know, she's been in the field of education for 40 years, she's a retired teacher, she's a wife, a mom, um, and she really is passionate about education and the young people of today. So, she's a grandma, (laughs) and um, we can't wait to have her on the show, so welcome.
1: Thank you so much, I'm happy to be here.
0: Yay! So let's get started. So again, we want to talk about First Wife, the memoir of Nigerian Nights. But before I get into that, tell us just your educational background. Like what brought you up to this point?
1: I uh, was raised uh, early in my life by my grandparents, and then my parents moved to uh, Davidson, North Carolina, Where I went to uh, public schools and uh, then I went on to uh, college. I went to a a two year college first, uh, and that was Sacred Heart College in Belmont, uh, North Carolina. It is no longer there. Uh, And then I transferred to the University of North Carolina in Greensboro. After the University of North Carolina and receiving my teaching credentials and passing the national exam for teachers, I went on to the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. There I got my master's degree and started teaching on a college level at North Carolina Central University. Later on, I taught at A&T State uh, University. When I lived in Nigeria for 10 years, uh, I was able to become the first American ever to get a Ph.D. from an African uh, university, that is an earned doctorate from an African uh, university, the University of Lagos, and I taught also at the University of Lagos. When I left Nigeria, I came back, and I thought with children, I had four young ladies to take care of, and thought so I thought it best that I teach uh, when they were involved in uh, uh, school, schooling, so I decided that I will teach. Even though I was off with positions at places like Greenville Tech, I decided to teach the public school uh, level where I taught for uh, more than uh, twenty years. I also taught uh, with upward bound. Now my initial first teaching assignment. Uh, was with uh, Head Start. So I taught on all levels. I taught from Head Start all the way through uh, university level. So uh, I feel that I'm someone who knows what I'm talking about when it comes to education.
0: Wow, and that you do. And um, I like the fact that it's important to explain all your years of teaching to show. I always tell people now with social media, you know, everybody wants to claim they're an expert, but you really in terms of education are an expert in terms of you've taught at all levels for over 40 years. Now, we want to, I know everybody's ways to discuss first wife. Um, So let's discuss the story. Why did you, because you're still young, why did you now write a memoir? Uh,
1: I'm uh, not that young, I'm (laughs) I'm, uh, in my 70s, so I decided that uh, so many uh, people who are famous write memoirs and autobiographies, and it's the same old story. Uh, I was their movie star, they were on somebody's couch, and that's how they got their first break, Uh, they were doing this and doing that, all types of naughty things. But I said, I wanted to show that one can have just as great a life and adventurous life as anyone else, uh, being an ordinary person. My life has been extraordinary. I've had so many adventures, and the book is just packed with uh, different stories, exciting stories. People who are reading the book are telling me how good it is or uh, how good a read it is. It's an extraordinary uh, read for uh, anyone. So uh there again, I decided to uh, go ahead and tell my story because I consider it an extraordinary story of uh, success as i uh, I believe that I have been blessed in so many ways with a, uh, an exceptional life and also exceptional children, exceptional with respect to health and uh, dealing for the most part with people who have had integrity with respect to my person.
0: Wow. Well, great. Well, yeah. So now you wrote the book, First Wife, The Memoir of Nigerian Night, And everybody can get the book. You know, if you Google First Wife, The Memoir of Nigerian Night, you know, Dr. Obina Egamonye, it's sold on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, um, Books, a Books a Million. And if you, if you type online, you can definitely see it. But a lot of people say, okay, First wife, Like, can you give a synopsis, you know, because we want people to go read the book. But just talk about what, what the book means to you. It means a lot to me.
1: It details what I consider an exciting, extraordinary, adventurous life of over 70 years in the making. I think it's, uh, it features growing up in the Carolinas during the heyday of segregation i tell you what, segregation, because so many people uh, do not tell their children the realities of that particular time. And I think it is very important that we keep that clear and distinct uh, as far as history is concerned. I talk about the rigors of college education during the start of integration. I was uh, uh, the second person, for example, to be admitted to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill in the graduate uh, history program on the master's level. So uh, I talk about the rigors. I talk about how it was to go into a classroom and have someone stand in front of you and say that some of us, no matter what we do, will never make above a C and go to an African student and stand in front of them. Some of us will only make an F in this class without even giving anyone a chance. So I know about those uh, particular type of ventures. When a lot of young people don't know this history, and they should. I talk about uh, meeting uh, very <laughs> humorously uh, a Nigerian at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, who would later become my husband. I venture. I talk about our wedding in uh, Britain. We were married at Cromwell Park Methodist Church. In Manchester, England, uh, we had uh, over 300 people at our uh, wedding. It it lasted from 8 in the morning. And you know how if you've seen uh, any type of British wedding, you know that it lasts a very, very long time. Uh, Our wedding and uh, reception lasted from 8 to 8. So it was uh, something else. A lot of people turned out for it. I talk about a rather really extensive uh, sojourn of ten years in Nigeria as a foreign wife, and how I uh, decided to go back to school. i had already been uh, readmitted to get a doctorate. I had also been uh, admitted to a law school. Uh, so uh, when I, when we decided to move to Nigeria, I, my husband uh, did encourage me. To My husband at that time did encourage me to go ahead and uh, go back to school. Uh, I had to make a decision between whether I wanted to become Mm -hmm. a British-style lawyer or earn a doctorate uh, in uh, history. So I love history, and that is my subject. That's what my degrees are in. So I decided to... uh, Try to get a doctorate in the history department, and I was able to do that.
0: Wow! And I like you know I'm learning stuff every day. You know, mom, you could've been a lawyer. Wow! And you know, that's the, the beauty about books—you document everything. Now I know there's some juicy parts in the book, right? Yes. <laughs> Everybody loves a good story. So, um, and a lot of people don't know, you know, during that time. It wasn't popular for an American girl to pack her bags and just head to Africa. You know, now people are learning more and more about the continent of Africa, Nigeria, different countries. But back then, it was very, very tough. Can you share some of the challenges briefly that you might have that you faced in going, and that maybe are documented in First Wife?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, for example, just moving over there uh, was quite uh, tedious, uh, packing up, leaving family behind, and uh, there were a lot of people who did not trust uh, that my husband would uh, be a reliable person uh, there. They kept telling me stories and misadventures about women who were left at the airport and didn't know where their husbands went to or Uh, They were left, there was a story of this lady who was left in New York, and uh, she had to hire a private eye in order to try to find her uh, Nigerian husband. I know that Kara Washington has made it very popular to be married to a Nigerian now, but uh, when I was coming along, and I got married in 1970, so when I was coming along, it was not uh, a wise decision to make. And so uh, my family and a lot of other people were very, very suspicious about what might happen to me, and uh, they were very, very cautious about any type of encouragement.
0: Yeah, and even today, like you said, Carrie Washington from The Scandal, you know, she has a Nigerian husband, and, you know, people now are, you know, Nigerian men have are dating all over, <laughs> so people now know about Nigerian men. But like you said, it's, you know, even today, people are cautious when you say, oh, I'm, I'm dating a guy from, from Nigeria. They, they, they're cautious is the word. Well, we're chatting live with Dr. Robina Egamanye, author, educator, and my mom about, you know, her book, First Wife, the Memoir of Nigerian Night. Now, talk about the name. Like, how did you come up with First Wife? The Memoir of Nigerian Night.
1: Well, you should know how I came up <laughs> with the first part because you told me the memoir of Nigerian Night, my man, is just not going to go over. Uh, it needs to be something exciting like uh, First first Wife. I said, ah, oh, interesting. I think I will do that, but I do want to add um, uh, the memoir of Nigerian Night because um, – uh, when you when I think of Nigeria, I think of it as a grand adventure, and that like a knight of uh, those times. And I, I reference a lot of history in this book. I talk about ancient kingdoms, and one in particular, the kingdom of Kanem-Bornu, uh, which uh, lasted from 1200 to 1840 when uh, the French defeated. The knights of Canaan uh, Borneo. And these knights were uh, quite advanced. They were armed and uh, they wore chain mail like uh, knights in uh, Europe. And so I considered myself brave, like these knights were. And uh, I uh, also uh, felt proud of the history. That I was reading about Canaan Bornu and then about Bornu and about a lot of other uh, ancient uh, places uh, as far as African history was concerned. And so um, I learned a lot, of course, in getting a PhD and uh, became very, very proud of that particular perspective and no longer uh, looked down upon not only that particular perspective. But upon uh, a lot of times you, as students in classes will, when you talk about the slave trade or uh, slavery or something like that, they put their heads down on a desk or what have you. I became proud of being a descendant of a slave. I became proud of the history uh, connected with that. It was a horrible, horrible thing to happen. But those people were incredible people. They were incredibly strong, and it's made it possible for people like me today to survive.
0: Wow, I love that. I love it. And so, yeah, I mean, this book kind of reads like, you know, uh, a love story, but it's past with history. And, um, you know, it's an inspirational memoir. A lot of people don't write their memoirs, you know, Um, so we forgot to give a round of applause for that, because that is uh, really cool. yes, yes. So again, we're chatting with the author and educator of, about her latest book, First Wife, A Memoir of Nigerian White, Nigerian Night. Um, now, in terms of the message of the book, like if you're talking to women who um, you know, are sitting at home, moms, and they're sitting and saying, okay, why should I get this book? What's your overall message that you want to share in your memoir or through the book? I think that
1: uh, living a uh, a wonderful life, a life that's different, is fascinating, and not to be afraid of something that's different. To have a perspective that is open wide to a lot of different uh, adventures, Uh, to uh, meet a lot of different people, to not be afraid of people just because they come uh, come from a particular culture or that you've heard rumors. Uh, I look at people as people. Uh, First of all, my perspective, and if you read it very carefully, I believe that there is only one race, and that is the human race, and that uh, if you are a believer in Jesus uh, Christ, If you're a believer in God, you will have that perspective that no human is more human than another. That uh, like anything else in nature, we have uh, differences as far as color, as far as hair, uh, what have you. There are bears, there are white bears, there are brown bears, there are black bears, there are different types of flowers. Look at the creator. He has made everything so different. Uh, a lot of variety in terms of a lot of different things, and so it is with human beings. And so I'm writing about a human experience, and I think we should always be concerned with reading about what others have gone through, what they have overcome, how they got over.
0: Yeah, and, and the message I think is that, um, to sum it up, is basically, you know, that of overcoming, you know, challenges, whether it's moving to a different country, marrying a a man from a different background, you know, even in today's day and age, people still, unfortunately, aren't necessarily excited when you have interracial marriage or intercultural marriages. So I think the book really sheds light on, you know, that aspect. So the first wife, please get it, The Memoir of a Nigerian Knight. Now, I could not... Let My Mom Go Without Us, talking about her other books, because this isn't her first rodeo. Um, she's written several other books, and one of, the, one of my daughter's, her granddaughter's favorite books, is The Fence Mender. So I wanted just to talk about that book um, and your other books that, that you've written, but The Fence Mender is another book. Can you give us a synopsis, just a brief synopsis about what the book is? Uh, the Fence
1: Mender, The Tales Uh, the lives of two uh, young men who live in a trailer park in uh, South Carolina. Uh, One is called Blue, he's white, and the other is Jukes. He is uh, black, and they come together and they have many adventures uh, together. They experience, uh, since they are in the eighth grade, and I taught eighth grade for a long time, So I based a lot of this on uh, my experiences. Juice has sickle cell anemia, and uh, uh, Blue has had a rough life. His uh, mother was killed in a car accident. His father on drugs and went to prison and uh, suffered a horrible death as a result of that. And so he has an uncle who at first takes care of him but still... The Uncle's Wife Hates Them, and we go through a continuous story. I, in my writing, I like to, even if you're dealing with young people, how they can overcome. These two young men love being smart. They like uh, knowing information, uh, and they uh, work hard at what they uh, uh, accomplish, And, uh, of course, uh, in eighth grade, they have uh, young ladies who like them. One of them is very aggressive toward Blue, And so uh, she uh, even (laughs) writes love notes to herself, et cetera, uh, supposedly from him. But he stands up. He's a strong young man uh, based upon what he's been through and the difficult problems that he has had. And in the end, it all overcomes. There is a doctor who, uh, the first scene of the book is that he is in a hospital uh, emergency uh, area. And uh, there's this medical doctor who is concerned about him. People are saying he's from the trailer park. Oh, look at him. And she's thinking to herself, I'm from the same trailer park. They don't know this. And uh, in that, I'm focusing on the power of education. I always like to think of Reverend Jesse Jackson and what he said. I think it's an incredible statement. He said, I was born in the slum, but the slum was not born in me. And I, uh, that is reiterated throughout that book, that basic idea and concept. I
0: think it's so very important. Wow! And the fence mender, I tell you, if if you have young kids, um, you know, in middle school or high school, even, I love the fence mender. You know, I often tell my mom, I I wanted to, I wish it was like a a show on TV, um, just to show the story of Blue McGregor um, and his life. And I I, lo- I love the name. I love everything. Um, so that's just one of the books that if you if you type in the fence mender. Um, you will be able to see the book. It's really, really good. And then, um, you know, jump in for educators, um, and a lot of people are in the field of education or thinking about education, Stay the Course. Now talk about Stay the Course briefly. Uh,
1: stay the Course gives you, uh, I'm, it's uh, really uh, a group of, uh, it's, a uh, group of concepts as far as I'm concerned as to what it takes to become a successful teacher. Uh, teaching profession, as you know, is facing a crisis, although I do think one of the best professions in the world is teaching. Uh, you, have, you impact so many lives. You are so important. You're the movie, it's the movie star industry of, uh, that, that is uh, not connected with that. So uh, it is very, very important as far as that is concerned. State of course deals with managing the classroom with integrity. Mm
0: -hmm. And that
1: is at the heart of being a very effective teacher. How to become an effective teacher. And uh, just basic things. like always be on time. Yeah, I used to see teachers come slurping in at 825 into (laughs) their classroom Uh, They got away with it. Nobody, you know, but there is a lack of respect that begins to mount up. Uh, Dress professionally, and act professionally. You are not one of the students. You are in charge of them. Uh, Just All types of things that go well in the classroom.
0: Yes, stay the course. Um, And I I love it because I think it's kind of like a guide for teachers, you know. Um, It's a good guide for teachers. Now, what do you think when you hear about all these in the news, teachers having inappropriate relationships with students, what are your thoughts on that? Because we hear that
1: a lot
0: in the news.
1: I think that many of these uh, young people have forgotten who they are. And uh, that they uh, cross over a, th- a threshold that they should not. Uh, I think that a lot of colleges and universities are not teaching them. Sometimes you have to teach young people. You can't be too friendly. You can't invite, you can't even invite uh, young people into your home these days because they may say anything. They would think it's funny to say, well, this so-and-so said that I was cute and all of that, when perhaps you never said anything like that at all. So you have to be a consumer. Uh, you have to be a professional. And this has to be taught, I think, on the college level, too, that there are certain things that you don't do. Uh, teacher training courses uh, should be effective in that way. So uh, I uh, feel that they're very awkward it is a disgrace to my mind for you to uh, be arrested on television. Uh, you should protect children, not molest uh, them or bother them in any way.
0: Yeah, and what do you think about just? We heard a lot about state. Again, we're chatting with with Dr. Ruby Negamanyi. She's an educator, author, and we've moved from her. Her latest book, The First Wife, now we're talking about, say, the course, which is, you know, a guide um, for teachers, you know, and she's been an educator for over 40 years. But also, what do you think when you hear about the public school system today, like Chicago, kids are not learning how to read and they're being passed in Atlanta, there was a big scandal. What, what do you, as an educator, when you hear those things that are happening in the public school, um, what, what are your thoughts?
1: First of all, i 'm not blaming all of it on teachers. I think that if number one they say it takes a village, I disagree with that, and when I used to say that and when I was living in Nigeria, they would look at me in a strange way and say, "You have to be careful about the village people and uh, I think it takes a parent or parents first of all to raise children, and you must teach children certain things when they are very young like Loves loving to read, to be able to sit quietly after a period of time, not when they are toddlers, but by the time they are five years old, they should be able to sit to listen to a story being read to them. There are certain things that have to be taught at home, and also uh, teachers can reinforce it at school. But when you don't teach a child how to even sit at a table and eat, when you are so busy making money uh, that you don't have time for your children it takes time to raise a child and it takes a lot of work it's not a joke if you don't want to, to uh, take time as a parent then you have no business having children
0: wow wow that's that's the message and again we are, um, again, and this, this book, even though I say it's a veteran's teacher's guide for new teachers, I think it also would be a good read for parents as well, um, Stay the Course. And then our favorite, because time is running out, but I, I not let mom go without talking about When My Grandma sings. I think this book, again, um, you know, you publish many books. This is, again, after Frank Mendo, I love when my grandma sings, just because of the message, um, the message about the little girl and the obstacles she faces. Now, can you just share about briefly, what, what, is, what does the book mean to you and why did you write it? When, when my grandmother, grandma sings.
1: It was um, the, uh, the remarks of a colleague that caused me to look up Alzheimer's disease uh, when I, I forgot to, to I, w- I was supposed to be a judge at a, a reading uh, that young people were doing, and it was a big, big uh, event, and I just forgot about it. Went home, and uh, I was called and said, oh, are you coming to judge? And I said, what are you talking about? And the person said, do you have Alzheimer's or something <laughs> like that? And so, yeah, jokingly. And so I decided to look it up, and from there, I found that women are affected by Alzheimer's more than men. I found that uh, it is a horrible uh, sickness because you forget everything, even how to eat, how to brush your teeth, how to do all of these things when it's at its worst. And so I decided to write about a relationship, and this is my uh, first book that I wrote uh, getting back in my profession. I've been writing since I was nine years old, but this is the one that really brought me back into uh, writing. Uh, So uh, it's about Alzheimer's. It's about a young uh, girl uh, who uh, has a famous grandmother who uh, sings gospel, and uh, she it has the grandmother develops Alzheimer's, and she forgets occasionally the songs, and she still calls upon to sing, but sometimes she forgets. And so there's this very uh, important Sunday, and she's there, try, uh, about to sing and everything like that, and she forgets the words, and the young girl simply goes up. And help her grandmother to remember.
0: Such a sweet story. I love what my grandma sings because Alzheimer's, like you said, I didn't know that. You know, it impacts women. But Alzheimer's, so many people are dealing with that. And I love. I would love if even proceeds from the book there was a way to get the proceeds to people suffering from Alzheimer's. I think that would be so many people can relate. So when my grandma sings, was kind of it's kind of dedicated to all the people. With Alzheimer's, and that's that's a great book. Wow, we've we talked about a lot of books <laughs> and a lot of stuff. Like over the years, when you think about just all your books, *Stay the Course*, um, First Wife*, *Fence Mender*, when my grandma sings, what what joy do you get from writing?
1: I get a jar of uh, faith in myself, faith in my work. Uh, and appreciation by people who come up to me. For example, when my grandma sings, it's in the Alzheimer's uh, Library in Washington, D.C., as one of their great books. And so I am uh, very appreciative of people who read, number one, and who uh, are gracious enough to read my books. I am just so very thankful that I'm able to have a voice in this world. Today.
0: Yeah, and what advice do you give to aspiring young people who may be interested in writing or interested in, in, in writing their their first book? Um, what where do you get what I guess what advice first, and then where do you where do you gather your inspiration from?
1: I would advise that if you are interested in writing, that you write down a synopsis of what you want to do first. Just write it down and look at it. As I never uh, Asking me would be kind of difficult because I write differently from a lot of people in that I uh, may uh, lie awake at night, and I never write unless I have everything in place, exactly in place the way I want it. And so then I start writing. A lot of people like to tinker with it, play around with it. But before I even sit down, I have it done, and I write maybe two or three different uh, sections uh, dealing with what I'm trying to do. And finally, I have uh, people at my daughter's to read over it to see what they think. Then there um, I have uh, publishers, uh, so they read over it. I find that when you send to publishers, if you have very few mistakes it gets published very quickly when my grandma's things was published just like that and uh the fence mender just like that so i find that uh when you go over it and when you have uh sometimes i do hire editors to uh look over it before i even submit it to a book company uh but i uh, at the back of my mind, I have so many ideas now about what I want to write. Right now I'm working on a novel, uh, but um, I'd like to have it all in my mind so that I can just sit down and write in a quiet place. You have to be a person who likes to be alone in order to, in my opinion, write well. You cannot have everybody in the neighborhood chatting and carrying on around you. You have to be basically a loner who seeks salvation from uh, being this way by writing so that others can enjoy their
0: joy. Now, what what inspires you? That was the process. What inspires you? What are some things that inspires you to write? History. I uh, get a lot of, uh,
1: for example, a scene in my Uh, New novel, I uh, got the idea from something that occurred historically. I uh, look at a lot about people who are oppressed in some way, just like the boys uh, who are in uh, defensemen, poverty, sickness, all types of bad things that are happening to them, yet they don't lose their focus. They don't become disheartened.
0: Wow. And then what advice do you have for moms? You know, a lot of your book, you know, whether it's the fence mothers or grandma scenes, being that you're a mom, like what advice do you have for, for young moms, um, today that are maybe, you know, um working two and three jobs, you know, trying to make ends meet, um, and the the world, the political climate has changed. Being that you've been a mom for many years, your grandmother as well, what advice do you have?
1: Well, I had the experience of being married first, and then, of course, uh, of being a single mom on my own. I worked uh, a regular job, and I had three uh, additional uh, jobs. I was not, first of all, I loved to work, and I was not made to feel ashamed of working. Some people say, well, why don't you work in college and all of that? And I said, well, in South Carolina, where I was uh, working, Um, you can, uh, with a Ph.D., you can earn what you would earn on uh, teaching at middle school or high school uh, that you would on college level. So uh, I have children to look after, first of all, but I would advise mothers to themselves before they have children, before they get married or what have you, that you make yourself the best possible person possible through formal education. Formal education is so important. Um, I like just you do what you said. Uh, they don't keep me here because I'm gorgeous. They keep me here because I'm smart. A lot of young people think cute is cute, but cute don't cut it, I, I like to say. That's <laughs> not enough to be cute. Most cute is fake cute.
0: Anyway. So what what do you say to the millions? Because now reality TV, and we were watching some reality (laughs) TV. But what what do you think about, like, people who look like the Kim Kardashians, no education, you know, she just released her line of makeup, made $4.5 million in, in what was it, two hours? What do you say to those people who are, like, watching these, especially the young inner-city kids or, or moms, who are watching these stars, seeing them, you know, no education but are deemed successful? What, what do you say? That's
1: not the rule. That's the exception to the rule. I consider, I don't even consider movie stars and those people when I am thinking about my progress or where I should be. I'm looking at where the that uh, the neighbor next door who is working hard also to educate her children. I want my children to associate with her. I don't want my children to associate with the children of Kim Kardashian and all of that. I know the story of uh, Princess Diana, Whitney Houston, and a lot of these other people who everybody was trying to emulate, and then they found out that life is not as great as it might be. And I think about uh, that a lot of times in the U.S. we put up people who are not uh, the type that you want to admire, that you want to, uh, you know, Children to uh, be like If you want to do makeup and hair products I see nothing wrong with that But first of all You need a formal education Now uh, I look at the cadastrians The father was a very well educated man The mother is well educated And without that mother There would be no cadastrian empire Without that mother (laughs) (laughs) There would be no Kardashian empire. She's the one when uh, Kim made that foolish uh, videotape, uh, she's the one who uh, organized them and got them together and put them on the road to success. So uh, motherhood, I I see nothing wrong with making money. I'm not against that. But I'm saying that exceptional amount of money is an exception to the rule and we can't take that It's sort of like uh, once upon a time. But even with once upon a time, uh, we know that Princess Diana in that once upon a time can be uh, something else yes.
0: to deal with.
1: To deal with, yeah. <laughs> so. and,
0: you, and, you know, I I love that about exceptions because you're right. When you look at it, they're the exceptions, not the rule. Wow. We've had so much fun chatting with um, about all your books, um, your advice um, about education and just being an author. So, yeah, round <laughs> an Now, a lot of people, I, you touched on this briefly, but we have about two more minutes left. So I wanted you, you said you're working on, because people say, wow, what's next? You've already published a lot of books. Why do you, because you already say you're working on another novel, why is it so important for you to keep churning out these books? And what's next as well?
1: Um, I think it's important to uh, keep myself busy. I'm at an age that a lot of people uh, begin to say, well, it's almost over. Uh, They start uh, looking for plots and a whole lot of other things. And uh, rather than focusing on life, I ain't focused on life. I focus on living as long as I can live and doing what I can do as long as I live. So there again, I, I like to write. Uh, I uh, at one point I probably could have been a lot better known at this particular point because in Nigeria I wrote a uh, novel and they were hinting was about to publish it and everything, but then uh, because of the break in my marriage and everything, that was uh, set aside because I've always known that I've had that talent since the lady at Red Book corrected my first little short story that I sent in to them when I was nine years old. So I've, uh, even though uh, a lot of times I put my children first, they are my first love, they are most important. Uh, that they are successful, and all my children, I would say, have advanced degrees. So I am so proud of that. I'm much more proud of that than I would say Uh, if they were uh, making a whole lot of money, which they may be, but I am very proud of the fact that they are formally educated.
0: And I think that's the message. Uh, You put out a lot of books you know, just to encourage people how important education is. Mm -hmm. Now, can you share anything about what your next novel will be or what it's about or it's still in your mind?
1: Uh, I've uh, already written the first uh, uh, book. Uh, I always, uh, when I'm writing a novel, I have a novel with a publisher now, uh, and uh, it deals with ex-slaves who went back to Africa uh, following the Civil War uh, uh, A lot of people are not Familiar with the fact that uh, Places like Liberia came About uh, because there were uh, Blacks were being Freed especially after the Revolutionary War and they were looking for A place to uh, send Blacks uh, from America The British had Sierra Leone We had Liberia And Monrovia was named after James Monroe and all of that president. So uh I like to use history with respect to that. And uh, my newest novel will deal with a young lady who is found murdered and her brother decides to find out who
0: did it. Oh, wow. A brother. <laughs> 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 Wow, a mystery. Wow. Well, we're out of time but, again, thank you again so much. We had so much fun chatting about books, motherhood, singlehood, the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it was really, really great. Again, they can get all your books online, you know, whether it's Stay the Course, My Grandma Sings First dot Amazon.com. You know, put in Dr. Robina Egamanye or the, any of the titles we've mentioned, BarnesandNobles.com, BooksAMillion.com. It's also on my Dare to Aspire page, Or Shop Our Favorite Things. If you go to DareToAspire.com, um, D2Aspire.com, and click under Vendors, um, you'll see Shop Our Favorite Things. You can get the link to the book there. Um, So we hope you go out and buy it. Everybody have a great weekend. And thanks. We'll be back next week with another amazing show. Thank you so much, and stay blessed. Bye. Mm -hmm.